Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible handy, I want you to hold a couple of spots. The first one is in 1 Corinthians 1, and the second one is in Matthew 10, and I wanna encourage anybody who's watching this to click the download notes, then you can follow along yourself and do the fill-ins, and then you can take it and you can reteach it yourself to your men's group. We're in part five of a series called Dominant Force. And if you're joining us for the first time, I'll just give you a quick review. In part one, we answered the question, what is a dominant force and how does that relate to my relationship with God? Well, it's an easy bridge to cross because God in the scripture, he expects to be your primary influence, your primary authority, and to have primary control of your life. That's why in the Old Testament you'll read, you'll have no other gods before me. You'll read in the New Testament, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all, keyword, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so God wants to be the dominant force in our life. Now, there is another force out there. That is the enemy. That is Satan. That is the devil. And he wants to not have God be the dominant force in your life. He wants to dilute God's influence, control, and authority in your life. Jesus knew that. Uh, he knew that um, his authority and the lives of his followers, his control, his influence would be challenged and that the enemy would use the flesh of men, the fear of men, persecution and pressure to get them to dilute, dilute their love for Jesus, compromise their commitment to God. That was part one. In, in part two uh, through five, and we're gonna do five today, these are the four reasons that Jesus gives in Matthew 10, right, to his followers uh, for why they can confidently and with great assurance and peace keep God number one in their lives. And in part two, we looked at the first of those four reasons, which was he told them, you're going to become like me. The student is going to become like the teacher. In other words, Christ-likeness prevails. They would fully identify with him now. And he was telling them in advance that they were going to experience what he experienced. And we talked about how when Jesus dies for sin, we die to sin. How Jesus comes alive on earth, right, for God's purposes, how we come alive when we're born again to God's purposes, how Jesus is seated, we are co-seated with him. If Jesus suffers, we're gonna suffer too. So Jesus is letting them know in advance, hey, you're gonna become just like me, so no surprises here. I'm gonna tell you in advance, and because I'm telling you in advance, you can fully identify with me now. The second reason he gives them for keeping him number one is he tells them that God's truth would prevail in the end so they can stand firmly on it and that nothing that's hidden will be kept secret, that the motives of men's hearts will be revealed. They will be validated. Other men who are trying to scare them away from keeping Christ at the center of their lives, their motives are going to be exposed. So God's truth would, would prevail. No secrets would be uh, kept hidden and that everything would be brought into the light. That was reason number two. What does that mean for them? They can speak up now. They don't have to be quiet. 
right? They can be bold. They can speak up. They will be validated now because God's truth prevails so they can speak truth. So Christ's likeness will prevail. God's truth will prevail. And then the third reason he gives them is, hey, listen, in the end, don't be afraid of men who can harm the body. You know who you should have a healthy fear of? The one who can destroy both body and soul for eternity. <laughs> and that's what we talked about last time. It's like, it's good to have a healthy fear of God. There's unhealthy fears, but the fear of God, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. And when you understand that God's eternal power and justice uh, prevail, you can be brave now, right? So Jesus is talking about certain future realities that should shape his followers' present energy. Now, in part five, uh, Jesus shifts in terms of addressing his followers in terms of what they shouldn't be afraid of and the source of what that potential fear could be. And he, he addresses um, the emotional and inner war that every believer will experience because, because life here on earth is both good and bad. Sometimes we will be fooled into thinking by believing a lie that somehow God's not paying attention to me, God's not aware of what's going on in my life, or else he'd be doing certain things, and he doesn't care, right? And Jesus preempts those lies by speaking into that issue, okay, so that the faith of his followers won't get diluted and he'll stay number one in their lives. Now, to get us thinking in the right direction for part five, just think about it, all right? There's seven billion people on planet Earth and it's easy to feel sometimes forgotten. Have you ever felt that way? I have. It's just like nobody sees me, the circumstances that happen, things that are done to us, choices we've made, physical illness and sickness, or just feeling overwhelmed at the pressing responsibilities that conspire to sort of isolate us emotionally, right? We, we feel alone. And this experience is universal, okay? Because earth is rough. You know, that's what the Bible teaches. You know, earth is, is full of things that aren't so hot. And when you have a bunch of things happening, sometimes you can feel isolated in your circumstances. And guess what you get vulnerable to? Your feelings, right? Because when bad things happen, it feels bad. That's just the facts. But your feelings are not the facts, right? And, but when, but when, we start believing our feelings, that makes us vulnerable to the lie. Uh, this is fatal and final. This is what always happens to me. God never shows up for me. And on and on and on. So we have to see how spiritual warfare plays into life on earth, how life on earth is hard, how when things get hard or things don't go our way or unplanned or unwelcomed things happen to us, that we would never script into the plan, that, that that can create negative emotions inside. And when we have negative emotions inside, rooted in our circumstances, the devil is right there, ready to 
lie to us about our relationship with God, where he's at, what he's doing, is he there, does he care? You get the picture. Satan will lie and tell you that your feelings are reality and that you can trust them. So Jesus, knowing this, knowing that earth is broken, earth is unjust, earth will be hard for his followers, right? The spiritual battle, Jesus knowing the spiritual battle and how when things are rough, people are vulnerable to the lie, he's gonna tell them the truth in advance, preempt, get ahead of it, right? And tell them that when you feel a certain way, just know that your feelings aren't the facts, especially when it comes to your relationship with God. What's at stake, okay? Remember the context of this whole discussion is I'm gonna stay the dominant force in your life. I'm gonna tell you some things that will prevent dilution of your commitment to me, but you need to know in advance that you're gonna be put under pressure, you're gonna be tempted to fear men more than fear God, and you're gonna be, because of circumstances that enter your life, you're gonna be tested, okay? And what we witness in the lives of the disciples going forward is interesting to observe. 11 out of 12 died martyrs. Jesus remained the number one force, influence, authority, and controller of their lives to the end. So that gives this discussion some richness and some meaning. And here's the cool thing. We can live to the end just like them with Jesus, keeping his influence in our lives day after day, month after month, year after year, until we meet him face to face. If, okay, big if, if we can internalize through faith the same promises that he gives to the disciples. So here's where we're going. We're gonna look at this theme of Jesus's, right, and of the Bible, that when God's man is hard pressed and put under pressure. We don't need to panic, okay? God has a purpose for that pressure. God has a plan for that pressure. And then we're gonna see how Jesus addresses a common fear in his disciples, right? And how in the midst of tribulation and difficulty, uh, they don't have to feel alone, especially in their relationship with God, right? And then we're just gonna agree together on God's truth. We're gonna make a commitment to act together and we're gonna affirm God's promise in the end. So if you have your downloaded notes, go to the, the scripture at the top of page one from 1 Corinthians 1, eight through 10. And let's talk about this theme of God's man under pressure, all right? It says this, we don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were gonna make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead, and he did it rescued us from certain doom, and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need. Rescuing, 
Okay, so this goes to our theme that Earth is broken, Earth is unjust, Earth is good and bad, it's not all good, and unplanned and unwelcome things happen to us, to God's man, that we would never script in. Well, what's what, what are the dynamics going on here? Well, let's make four simple observations along those lines. Number one, Earth will, keyword, disrupt and upset my life circumstantially, okay? Some of you are living that right now, and you're just like, man, can't it catch a break, Lord, all right? But that's the nature of living on a broken planet with broken people, right? Life is good and bad, marriages are good and bad, families are good and bad, work is good and bad. It can't be all good, but it's not all bad either. There is some good in here, but life's gonna disrupt and upset your life. Circumstantially, someone's gonna move your cheese. Your expectations are gonna be A, and then the reality's gonna be B. Welcome to Earth. Number two, Earth will isolate me emotionally, okay? When unwelcome and unexpected and unplanned things happen, do you get upset that those things happen? Do you use words? Yeah, probably, right? Do you sigh? Like, ugh, really? Seriously? Some of you are there right now. Welcome to Earth. And what happens is, over time, the longer a circumstance goes on, right? Doesn't resolve itself. Like a lot of us, you know, we can bump up against something happening, you know, and we'll push through. We might push through for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. But man, you know, when things drag on, it wears us down, okay? And some of you guys are know what I'm talking about today, right? And you know what you feel? You feel like, man, is this the way it's always going to be? I, who, nobody understands what I'm going through. So Earth will isolate us emotionally. Number three, Earth will activate doubt spiritually. So your life is upset, you're isolated emotionally, right? But then you have a relationship with God. Where's he in all this, okay? Is he really letting this happen, okay? And why would he let that happen, all right? So you know, that's a, that's a great moment for the enemy to pile on. And he was like, yeah, why is he allowing this to happen? And why would he even let that happen? All right, we'll talk about that uh, more later, okay? But you'll, you'll go through confusion, disillusionment, and doubt spiritually because you're a human being, right? You're frail, you're fragile, even though some of us might think we're super strong. You know, put a man in a certain circumstance after a long time, he'll break down right? Number four, let's write this down. Earth will test and validate my faith personally. That's what I love about this passage in 1 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. It talks about earth, right? Hey man, this situation happened to us. We never scripted in. All this came down on us, the scripture says, right? And it was bad, all right? I love how scripture doesn't sugarcoat it, all right? And I love where he goes you know, the Apostle Paul goes emotionally, right? Didn't think we were gonna make it, thought we're getting sent to death row, all right? We're gonna die, it's all over, right? But now it turns a corner and he says, as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened, all right? Given the gift of desperation, this circumstance is gonna test and validate their faith. And he says, hey, instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, 
We were forced to trust God. Listen, totally. You know, it's interesting when, when, when things we don't plan for happen, um, a lot of times our first resource is ourselves. Just like, yeah, been there, done that, been there before, no sweat, you know. But then when either the intensity of things ratchet up or the length of time in a trial ratchets up, all of a sudden God gives us this little gift. It's called desperation, right? Things aren't changing. My resourcefulness isn't working this time. My self-sufficiency isn't getting me out of this. I've sent out 50 resumes. I've talked to all the people I'm supposed to talk to. But the whole time, you're trusting in yourself, your own resources. You haven't yet turned to God. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's going, you know what? This circumstance, part of God's plan was, you know what? It's going to get to what's really there inside of us. And, and that's sometimes why God allows circumstances to enter our lives is to cultivate trust or to make sure that worldliness isn't taking over your godliness, right? And he wants to test and validate our faith. You see, faith doesn't develop in a vacuum, right? I mean, if you've ever played team sports or developed a skill at all, you gotta be put to the test. Right? You got to be put under pressure. I coached youth sports my, my, when my kids were growing up at a, at a pretty high level. And I, I remember just, you know, I would teach something. That's fine. They would know something. That's fine. But then to execute it under pressure, right? I'd put them into a live offense-defense situation where they actually had to physically do what they know. I needed to test and validate that they really knew the skill. God is the greatest coach ever, fellas. And he's going to put you in some circumstances. He's going to allow some things. And that's going to test and validate. It's going gonna, it's gonna to see what's there. He's going to see what's there. And you're going to see what's there, most importantly. Okay? Now, on this theme of, you know, pressure, difficulty, disruption, isolation emotionally, doubt spiritually, the testing and validating of our face personally, right? God gives us promises, okay? And this is the X factor. Listen to Jesus talk in John 16 to his men. Jesus answered them, do you finally believe? In fact, you're about to make a run for it, saving your own skins and abandoning me. But I'm not abandoned. The Father is with me. Okay, segue. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. I've conquered the world. And so you have that theme where Jesus isn't sugarcoating anything. In fact, he's kind of calling his guys on the carpets. It's like, hey, you know what? You can see how this is turning into a little pressure zone. Me, the feelings of men about me, you being connected to me, things are going down. I'm headed to a gnarly death on a cross, and you're feeling pressure. But guess what? Here's what you need to know. 
even if you did abandon me, God hasn't abandoned me. The Father is with me. And listen, I'm telling you this so that trusting me, you're going to be unshakable. You are going to be assured. You will have deep peace. Anyone in the market for unshakability, assurance, and deep peace today? Not in the absence of pressure, but in the midst of pressure. Hello. I am. That's what I want. I want unshakability in the midst of pressure. I want assurance in the midst of pressure, not in the absence of it. I want deep peace in the fire. Right? And Jesus says this. He says, guess what? Not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to experience difficulties, but take heart. I've conquered the world. What does that mean? But take heart. It's the process of trusting what God says in the midst of change, challenge, pressure, delay, difficulty, trusting what God says, and then acting on what God says in the presence of that pressure, not in the absence. And this is what is supernatural, right? You can't make a faith choice in the absence of pressure. You can't make a faith choice and take a risk for God when everything's going your way. God allows some desperation in our lives to cultivate trust, validate our faith. And Jesus says there's this process of taking heart, right? Well, this is happening. This is what God says. I'm choosing to believe what God says versus what my feelings say or what the world says or what my friends say or what my wife says or what my best buddy says. I'm gonna choose to believe what God says in this circumstance, right? And I'm gonna act on it. I am not gonna panic. I am not gonna try to be resourceful and run ahead and create my own solution to, to this situation. I'm gonna walk with God, I'm gonna trust God on a daily basis, and even though I don't know the future, I know he's good for his word. Okay, so let's make a little conclusion uh, based on what we've talked about. Write this down. When God is the dominant force in your life, difficulties will develop, not destroy your faith in God. And that's where Jesus is reframing how God's man processes pressure. Okay, whatever pressure you're under, professional pressure, relational pressure, social pressure, emotional pressure, he wants to reframe it and say, in the end, if it's gotten to you, it's had to pass through me to get to you so that I could develop you, develop your faith, not destroy you. That this circumstance that you're in is a stepping stone, my son, not a stumbling block. And as dads and coaches and trainers, we know that, right? We know that when you put someone under pressure, it's going to develop them. You're going to see what's there, right? And it's going to call out what's inside of them, right? So that's what God says. You know, when God's a dominant force in your life, difficulties are there to develop us, not destroy our faith in God. All right, so there's just kind of the basis once again. We're just kind of getting in touch with truth and reality about God, us, earth, and how the relationship works on a broken, unjust, fallen planet. All right, now, let's get to what Jesus says in Matthew 10. 
all right? And the theme of what he says, all right, because he knows that pressure will come on the disciples, it, this is the headline. It's like, God's with me and God's got me, so I'm not gonna believe the lies that are coming at me, all right? And we talked about that at the top, that when pressure and difficulty imposes itself on us, and it will, uh, we can go two directions, all right? We can trust truth and God's promises and act on them, or we can trust how we feel, we can believe the messaging of our feelings, and that makes us vulnerable to lies, all right? And it's fluid, you know? You, if you feel down, you know, the tempter and the liar is gonna come, and that's kind of where we're headed next. So let's, let's see what Jesus says about what's really going on when we're under pressure and persecuted or in difficulty or trial or trip. And then let's acknowledge the presence that there's an enemy that wants to dilute our commitment and faith in God, all right? So let's look at Matthew 10, 29 to 31. Jesus says this to his guys, are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows, okay? Now, why does Jesus choose the sparrow? Because sparrows were everywhere, sparrows were common, sparrows were kind of visually present but insignificant, okay? Uh, when a guy saw a sparrow, it's like, hmm, you know, it's like, <coughs> there's the sky, you know, there's the dirt, <laughs> there, there, there's the sparrow, right? But what Jesus is saying is, as seemingly insignificant as that is to you and is of no consequence to your life, anything that God makes, he has command over, and not one of them. Not, nothing happens to one of them without God's awareness, okay? Now, Jesus is reassuring them. You can kind of read between the lines, like it's like, okay, I'm reassuring you. I'm telling you about these sparrows, and I'm reassuring you. At the same time, Jesus knows that Satan, instead of reassuring you, will try to unnerve you and dismantle your faith. And Jesus talked about Satan. It's important to know his nature and how he's gonna try to speak into the same pressure and persecution or difficulty, all right? What are his goals? Jesus describes Satan like this. He was the, a killer from the very start, all right? John 8, 43 and 44. He was a killer from the very start. He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth in him. When the liar speaks, he makes it up out of his own lying nature and fills the world with lies, okay? So there's Jesus's nature, he's assuring. You're in a difficult situation and Jesus can stay the dominant force in your life or you can suffer dilution if in that pressure you're feeling bad and you believe the lie of your feelings and there's a liar that's like, pouring gas on, yes, believe your feelings, 
It is fatal and final. Nobody cares. And we're going to get into that. All right. So you got to see sort of the bat. There's you. There's Jesus and truth. And there's Satan and lies. And it's you in the midst of difficulty. And you're feeling it. It's normal, right? Uh, it's not good. Okay, and you're trying to process what's going on spiritually. And here's Jesus assuring, here's Satan unnerving. So let's, let's kind of look at this spiritual warfare. Number one, the devil will suggest in that situation, nobody really sees you. Write that down. Okay, the devil suggests nobody really sees you. Okay, now we see this kind of sense uh, going on, that that's actually a message that was received with Paul, right, when he was in the province of Asia. He says this, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. And so into this scenario, like Paul's feeling stuff, Satan's piling on. They're alone, they're vulnerable, they're suggestible. Um, negative emotions, we need to talk about that just briefly and how they factor into spiritual warfare. So if you have loneliness, anger, uh, sadness, despair, in the midst of pressure, right, it's sort of like your life is like a 747 leaving from LaGuardia, New York, to Heathrow in London, right? They load that sucker up with, with fuel, right? Right, tons and tons and tons of fuel, right? So those negative emotions inside are like the fuel, it's loaded onto the big plane, which is you. And if some bad actors get control of that plane, loaded with fuel, okay? Um, that's called a hostage situation, okay? There's people on board, there's a lot of fuel in the tanks, and if there's a spark, it could be bad news. And see, that's where we have to understand that negative emotions inside, man, there's a lot at stake for how you process them, right? And then how you act, because... When you have negative emotions inside, uh, Satan can just, he can lie into you a lot easier if you're not talking to God and talking to some other brothers or some good people in, in your life. If you're just kind of keeping it in, keeping it to yourself, um, then he can mess with you. It's like, I feel this way, but I'm not talking to anybody about it. And then that's when the enemy comes, right? Nobody really sees you. You're going through this all by yourself, right? I mean, even Jesus, what, what is great and how Jesus understands is that Jesus in his humanity on the cross felt this way. You know, look at, look at your notes. In Mark 15, 43, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, because he's perfectly man and perfectly God and because to be a perfect high priest, he had to experience all the things that we experience and yet be without sin. He pulled it off. But what's so great is that Jesus understands that feeling 
of loneliness, but is there with you, right? Assuring you that don't fear, I see you. So that, that leads me to the next fill-in. So if the devil suggests nobody really sees you, all right, just stick this in his faith. Just say, God says, write this down, I am locked on you, okay? And that's what scripture tells us about God. It's just who he is. He's, he's omniscient and he's omnipresent. Look at what the scripture says, Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Can we just let the paint dry on that? Some of you who are watching this right now, you're feeling like, gosh, nobody really sees my life. The scripture says God sees it in perfect 1080, 4K resolution, okay? He sees every detail, every nook and cranny of your life. He sees every thought attached to every circumstance issue. He sees how you're feeling when you wake up, when you lie down in the middle of your day. Um, he sees it. Nothing is hidden from him, okay? People can't see your thoughts, but God sees your thoughts. That's who you really are at any given moment. It's not even necessarily what you're doing. It's what you're thinking, right? And so nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. And then you remember the words of Jesus, you know, We've, we might feel insignificant, but hey, listen, the most insignificant little creature at Jesus' time was a sparrow, and Jesus goes, hey, nothing happens. That, that sparrow doesn't even hit the ground without my father's awareness, and you are more valuable than a sparrow. You know, I had actually a bird fly into um, our house, and it was interesting. It wasn't, you know, it didn't see this little, this little fence that I had put up. And uh, it wasn't there before, but it is now. And so it's going full, and bam, it hits the ground. And when I saw that, I remembered this verse. It's like, wow, God saw that. This was just recently, like three weeks ago. It's like, God, okay. And God reminded me of this. He's like, you know what? I saw that, that just happened. Because I created that little bird. And I'm over everything that I create. And because I am who I am, I can see everything in 360, in 4K, perfect clarity all the time in panorama with 7 billion people. I can see it all, all at once and internalize it with the same clarity as if I was watching one thing. And I want you to know that if that's me and I can do that, I got your life. I know, I know what's happening to you. I know where you are. I know every detail. Some of you really needed to know that today. God wants you to know, I got you. I see you. I see the frustration. I see your thoughts. I see your doubts. I see your confusion. I see your worry. I see your concern. I see the circumstances. I see the players in your circumstances. I see the needs that you have. And I'm at work and I'm present, right? So you don't need to dilute, right, through doubt my presence in your life. I got, I, 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 I'm locked on you, okay? So that's the first little, little dynamic in spiritual warfare when you're under pressure and there's lies and there's truth and there's the devil and there's God. Satan says, nobody really sees you. God says, I'm locked on you. Let's look at the second dynamic, all right? Under pressure and in the difficulties of life, the devil will suggest nobody really knows you, okay? No one knows you. 
No one knows what you're going through. You ever said that to someone? Well, you, you can't know it until you know what I'm going through. No one knows what I'm really going through, right? Because maybe you have an image and you don't tell anybody what you're going through, okay? That's one reason. But it's human, okay? Only we truly know what we're going through. People might know some of the structural information, you know, maybe you lost a job or, you know, but they don't know all that you're going through, you know, in your emotions and in your mind and how that's working its way out into your relationships and the dynamic, etc. You know, the Bible talks about this in Proverbs 14. It says, each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. So you have both ends of the spectrum. Nobody can really know or feel what you feel, whether it's joy or whether it's bitterness, okay? We like to say to people, hey man, until you've walked a mile in my shoes, you really can't, you really can't speak into that. Well, you can say that with people, but you can't say that with Jesus because he sees and he knows what you're experiencing, which means he's intimately aware. So if the devil says no one knows, right? Nobody really knows, nobody really sees and nobody really knows. This is what God says, write this down. I am intimately aware. I am locked on and I am intimately aware of you. Okay, keyword, intimately, chose that word intentionally. Right? Scripture talks about God's intimate awareness of me, of you, where you are on the planet, where you're located, your network of family, friends, and coworkers, your job, your physical health, your emotions. Look, look at what God says. Psalm 139, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. You might want to circle that. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You, Lord, know it completely. Okay. So what's that saying? Okay. God is above us. God is beneath us. God is behind us. God is uh, before us. God surrounds us because he's God. Now listen, the fact that God is intimately aware of you means a couple of things. And the first thing it means is that you don't have to be doubtful about his awareness of everything that's going on. Number two, it means that if, if things aren't happening the way you would like to, or you know it feels like God's not wearing one of these and he's not resolved, then he's up to something. It's not an awareness issue, right? It's a God's plan issue, and he's wise and loving and knows best for you, and you can trust that he is locked onto you, and he's intimately aware of you. And when you internalize that, you can reject the lie that nobody really sees you, and nobody really knows you, all right, in this moment. Okay, let's look at the third little dynamic of spiritual warfare when God's man is under pressure, all right? Under the pressure of life, the devil suggests, write this down, nobody really appreciates or parenthetically values you. You ever feel that way? 
right? You know, you hear that little voice of, you're taking care of everybody else, but who's taking care of you, right? Wow. Man, if that isn't the voice of Satan, <laughs> it's like, man, take care of yourself. And let me show you all the ways that you can meet your own needs, right? Don't let God meet him. He's, he's, remember, he doesn't see you. He doesn't know you. So he doesn't really appreciate, right, you. He doesn't value you, right? And you look in the Bible, and there are people who feel like this, and they're made to feel like this their whole life because of circumstances that were beyond their control. You know, you just think about the marginalized in Jesus' time, and one, one group of marginalized people in Jesus' time were women, okay? And you see how Jesus defends and protects and treats women, and then you see how men in culture, right, controlled by the broken male culture, treat them. I mean, let's read a little scenario. Let's get into this, right? Luke 7, 39, talking about nobody really appreciates you. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, Jesus, were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. This is all going on inside a dude's head, right? In the company of a group of dudes. And the woman that he's referring to is worshiping at Jesus's feet, wetting her feet with her tears, pouring very rare perfume on them. And in the end, Jesus says, you know what? This lady's story is going to be told forever. No one's going to remember you, but everybody's going to remember this girl. But, you know, I, the courage that it took that woman, right, who was outcast, she was labeled right here, that woman's a sinner. Just think about internally, every day, every hour, every minute, people looking at her. She could have been... Uh, a, a prostitute, forced into prostitution because the divorce laws back in Jesus's day, I mean, if a woman blinked at you funny, the religious male community, you know, created their own whole set of rules that are not in scripture for, that would give you cause to just, you know, trade her in, divorce her, and get a new one. And that threw so many women in Jesus's day into prostitution or dependence upon a relative, right? And so things happen. And can you imagine how the devil got to work on this woman? Until she encountered Jesus. She went from nobody sees you to I am locked on you. Nobody knows you to I am intimately aware of everything about you inside and out. And you might think nobody appreciates you, right? But I'm going to replace that, those thoughts with myself. Now, she's not the only one. Jesus had friends. And this is a common human refrain. Like, we see it in Luke 10, you know, he, Jesus would retreat in Bethany with Mary and Martha. It was kind of like his getaway spot. And uh, Martha was a little tightly wound, 
okay? Listen, listen to this in Luke 10. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. In other words, doesn't anybody appreciate all the effort that I am putting into this, right? <laughs> Have you ever felt underappreciated? See, this is what's great about having a relationship with God, all right? You can feel that way. People in the end are going to choose themselves, all right? You know, we, we appreciate others in our lives to a certain degree, but then we get back to thinking about ourselves, all right? So in the midst of earth, you're going to feel underappreciated. Just know that. It's common. It's human nature, all right? Now, the devil will suggest, hey, nobody appreciates you. Why don't you get appreciated? Why don't you get some appreciation? Right? Even if you have to do it online, even if you have to play a video game that makes you feel great, right? even if you have to you know, buy appreciation, right? I think you know what I'm talking about. Right? Human sex trafficking, right? medication for lack of appreciation by other women where we can't, we don't have the character and capacity to win real intimacy so we don't feel appreciated so we go and buy it. Okay, real men don't buy girls. Now, into that battle for appreciation. You know what God says? And this is what's so great about knowing God. Satan says, nobody really appreciates you. Write this down. God says, I treasure you. I treasure you. I created you. I love everything I made. Um, I love this passage in Isaiah 49, right? Let's read it together. But Zion, right, and in this passage, I'm like, why don't you put your name in there? So if your name's Bill or Bob or Paul, why don't you just set, substitute your name for Zion, all right? But Kenny said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Okay, there's how I feel. I'm underappreciated. I'm feeling forgotten. And then this is what God says. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast or have no and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget... I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Wow. I mean, okay, that's, I think we call that a tattoo, right? When you engrave something on your skin, what's that called? A tattoo. When dudes put the name of their woman on their arm, that means that they treasure them. Someone that they lost with, you know, a date or something. That means they treasure them, all right? God literally is painting a picture of such treasure and value of us. I, I'm not going to forget you. See, I have you engraved on the palms of my hands, and it's so interesting that Jesus sure did. You know, he loved us that much. That's how, that's how much he treasures us. He values us so much, he appreciates us so much that he's willing to sacrifice himself for us. So in a literal and, and figurative sense, 
man, God does treasure us. We are engraved on the palm of his hand. And some of you needed to hear that. You know, some of you feel, you know, so underappreciated. You need to know that God treasures you. He loves everyone and everything that, that he has made. So, fellas, let's make a conclusion and let's affirm this together, all right? Write this down. In my darkest hours and on my hardest days, God says, I redeemed the cross. I can redeem this. Okay, and the reason I left it a little vague is because I don't know what year this is. Where is it? Over here. I don't know what this is for you. This may be, you know, you're really going through it in your marriage. This may be your longtime job, you were shown the door. This may be you expected to be at a different place financially, but you're not, okay? And God wants to speak into that. And he wants you to know that he's locked on, he's intimately aware, and he's not punishing you, okay? God's up to something. Can we say that? God is up to something. You should just say that right now. God, I realize right now you're up to something. You're at work, you love me, you see me, you're locked on, you're up to something. I don't know what it is, but I trust you. I'm taking heart based on what your word says about you. So, sons of God, our king says this. Let's read the scripture from Isaiah 43. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I'm God your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you, all of Egypt, with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. Now, that's in the Old Testament. God was sacrificing to bring his people back to him. You know what Jesus said? Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. God's locked on. God's intimately aware. God treasures us, and he showed us that he's trustworthy. He showed us that we can trust Jesus's promise, right, to take heart, to go get a promise and to declare it. Some of you need to read that Isaiah passage, Isaiah 43, two through four. You need to put it on a piece of paper and put it in your mirror, put it in your car. You need to speak it. You need to prophesy this promise today. If you're feeling far from God because of circumstances, you need to prophesy this promise today. If you feel alone, you need to prophesy this promise right now. This is a good, solid word to speak into the face of that liar and killer who wants to dilute your commitment to God. God's locked on me. God's aware of me. 
God treasures me. God's at work. He's working it out. I'm going to trust him. Amen? And maybe someone you know needs to hear this message. Right? Maybe you need to, to clip Isaiah 43, 2 through 4, and send it to someone right now and encourage them. Just tell them what God has told us today. Hey, my friend, God's locked on you. He's intimately aware. He treasures you. Don't be afraid. Fellas, God wants to be the dominant force in your life. Earth is going to put some pressure on you. Could be the fear of men, could be circumstances that create fear, but God is speaking into that and he's told us, hey, listen, what happened to me is gonna happen to you in every dimension you can fully identify with me. My truth prevails, okay? You can count on it. You can stand on this. In the end, this is what lasts, my word. Okay, nothing that's hidden will remain hidden. Everything will be exposed. You will be validated. So speak up, okay? So God's truth prevails. God's justice and eternal power prevail. We should remember that. These things are happening in the future. That's what's gonna happen, so I'm gonna change my behavior now. Jesus, you're staying number one, all right? And I'm not gonna regret it when I get to that moment. All right? I'm not going to fear men who can destroy a body, but they can't determine eternities for people and where they go. And so I'm not going to be afraid of men, and I'm not going to be afraid of my circumstances. This is earth. You've told me. You've been honest with me. There's going to be difficulty here. There's going to be delay. There's going to be trial. There are going to be unexpected things, unwelcome things that enter my life and before it's gotten to me, it's passed through you for a great purpose, which I may not see in the moment, but I trust. Let's pray. Lord, we trust you. I, I'm just thinking even now there are, there are many men listening to the sound of my voice right now, and they're feeling something inside. There's, there's more for them and they're in transition and they they need to be obedient they need to listen to you and what you're saying many many men that are listening to my voice they've, they've stayed in the same place too long and uh, they're just afraid but you know who they are where they are who they're with what job they have their family you're their god and I pray that you would infuse them with courage, that your awareness of them, Lord, your intimate knowledge of them, oh God, and your love for them would give them the courage to step out, oh God. And then I know there's so many discouraged brothers out there, and just all of us, we link arms, and we rebuke that liar, and we reject the lie, that nobody sees us, nobody appreciates us. Lord, nobody knows us. We reject that because you do. You see us, you know us, you treasure us. We affirm that today. We affirm your word. Thank you for filling us with assurance through your promises. Now we got to act and we got to keep you number one. So keep us rejecting the lies of the enemy, especially when we get hit. Help us to pull this study out and to affirm the truth about us, what you say is true from your word, and then let us go to the end 
like those first disciples all the way to the end with you as the dominant influence, the dominant controller, the dominant authority in our lives, Lord, because you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's men said, amen. So if you're watching this live, or even if you're watching an archive thing, here it comes. The dangerous good movement, right? The messages came out in three waves. The first wave was the dangerous good book, The Coming Revolution of Men Who Care. That's about identity. The second book in the trilogy is Failsafe, Living Secure in God's Acceptance. That's the message of inner security and maturity through God's love. And then from that place of a strong identity, I know who I am, so I know what to do, and inner security through God's love, right? I can move to this, influence. God's at work in me to work through me to change the world around me. Overflow, setting the Holy Spirit loose in your world. Pre-order it on Amazon, all right? It's a movement, fellas, it's not an event. So I'm so happy that you're a part of the Everyman community. And the Everyman community right now, I want you to all go out and get this. It helps support this live stream and this broadcast. Go get it on Amazon.com, favorite retailer. Um, and let's go overflow and be light and salt and a fragrance of Christ to those around us where we live, where we work, where we pray, and where we play. God bless you.